So uh, welcome or welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. We have a really great one in store for you today. Um, two hosts, me, Morgan, not a Force user, uh, and also Johnny's here with me today. You want to say hi, Johnny? Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> All right. And with us is the incomparable Tessa Gratton. So Tessa, hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Great. I'm super excited that you're here as well. Like, I think that when we were talking about which authors we wanted to talk to, I was like, listen, Tessa's like my number one. Like, I, I need to talk to them. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. So <laughs> I'm very excited, very excited to have you here. Um, we're going to ask you a couple questions, if that's okay. Yes, please do. Uh, and I think Johnny's going to start off. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I, I guess just a, a nice, easy one just to kind of get us in the Star Wars place. Um, Tessa, what have been your sort of standout experiences with Star Wars to date? Both, you know, both as a fan and, and then sort of this, this wonderful position you find yourself in <laughs> uh, as a professional writer as well. Yeah. You know, well, I guess it's been a bit of a ride. I'm sure you've got a few to pick from. Yeah, definitely. Um, my parents were Star Wars fans before I was born. So I basically was born onto this path. Mm. Um, and one of my earliest memories was when I was about four years old and we lived in California and, uh, my parents, we used to go to the drive-thru and I have a brother who's just about two years younger than me. And we used to just play in the back of the van while mom and dad watched the movie. But for this one, it was Return of the Jedi. And I remember mm. at some point I was suddenly attracted to the murder teddy bears on the screen and I completely abandoned my little brother and stopped playing with him and crawled up to the front and watched the movie and I only vaguely remember that but I do remember for the following year um, insisting upon being called Wicket not Tess and like wow. i wanted ewok pajamas and like ewok everything <laughs> and i like still have like an ewok little bank um for coins and a mug and things like that um that are from like 1983. um so that was a really formative wow. for me <laughs> um also you know my first mm -hmm. cosplaying experience in those little uh teddy bear pajamas with the plastic mask Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could yeah. find nice. pictures of that, but I have yet to unearth them at my dad's house. Um, yeah, and so I really grew up with it. And the second, like, real highlight for me was uh, one of the, like, most fandom things I've ever done was in, uh, I graduated from high school in 1999 and I had my graduation party. My mom and I decided to make it a Star Wars theme party. And we found mm -hmm. like all this like food that we cut differently. And, you know, we made like barbecue pork, but we labeled it like barbecue tauntaun and things like that. And so we really went, mm -hmm. went nuts um, having a really good time making that graduation party um, and had lots of just those kind of real family and like community experiences where we would have like parties. We had a big party when the Phantom Menace came out and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the, probably the most important is when I was 15 years old, I lived in Japan 
because my dad was in the Navy. And so we were stationed there. And my mom was taking me to an event off of the Navy base. And we were picking up some other Americans on our way there. And we stopped and a girl from one of my classes who I hadn't really talked to very much was getting in the car and she came and she sat in the back with me and we were like, oh, well, we don't really know each other. We're 15. And she realized that I was reading a Star Wars novel. And she was like, oh my gosh, you like Star Wars? I love Star Wars. And uh, we didn't stop talking for that whole day. And uh, we've been married for years now. <laughs> wow. Aww, I love that. Amazing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not to mention I, I write for Star Wars now. That too. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing that happened somewhere yeah. along the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm I'm sort of the same generation of, uh, as you, Tess, more or less. So Return of the Jedi was my first Star Wars at the cinema. Um, I, I guess I was probably around um, six years old or so. Um, I think I'd seen the original one on TV, but uh, yeah, for for me it was all Ewoks for a very, very long time, and uh, so somehow I kept that flame burning bright uh, until until the Phantom Menace <laughs> came along. What seemed like a lifetime later, right? When when you were growing up at that, point, yeah, you look at looking back now and you realize that sort of the Phantom Menace is older now than um, a New Hope was when it when it. <laughs> when the Phantom Menace came out, right? But somehow, yeah. 83 to 99 felt like, um, well, your whole life as a kid, really. Mm -hmm. It really did. I can't relate. I was I was not <laughs> around for the, uh, for the original trilogy. I, I had them on VHS, and then uh -huh. I was like eight years old when it was Phantom Menace time, But Morgan, so. bless, you, bless you for at least saying it was VHS. And yeah. not, you know... <laughs> downloaded or on blu-ray or something oh, um uh, i'm not i'm not that young that's, that's dan he's the super yeah, young one yeah well i mean we already established i said that you are obviously now a star wars writer um and specifically you've joined this magical thing that is the high republic team um and especially you got to come in in phase two was that kind of weird did it, did it feel kind of strange coming in for that already established team it was a little bit weird, but uh, I think it being phase two really helped because it was a, you know, a prequel to all of these prequels. So in a lot of ways, it felt very new and everything we were doing was, you know, it, it wasn't like I had to jump in with characters that readers already loved. Um, and I knew... Uh, several of the original five luminous authors, uh, and I I knew Justina very well. We've been really good friends since about 2015, and we've been working on books together and like critiquing for each other, and just like hanging out and stuff. So Justina really smoothed that for me because uh, I was able to just be like, Justina, you deal with all the other authors, you deal with all of that. <laughs> And she was happy to, and I could just, you know, sit at my desk and decide, oh, this is the kind of Jedi I've always wanted to write. Can I do that? And Justine would be like, I'll make sure you can. So <laughs> she really uh, was a nice buffer, which I don't 
I think I would have been fine without that because everyone was very welcoming and eager to have new writers. I know that um, it was a lot of pressure, phase one. Mm -hmm. There was so much pressure on the writers to do so much. And they worked so hard for a couple of years. They were all like, oh, oh, thank God. (laughs) There's more people (laughs) to share this with us. So everybody was really welcoming and eager. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of had some say in the direction that you got to take phase two a little bit? Or was it kind of already planned out to some extent for you? The main beats, like the plot beats, Mm -hmm. were already there. I knew what, when it came to Path of Deceit, um, before I even signed on, I, Justina gave me a vague idea, like, this is the kind of book we're going to write. It's going to be uh, forbidden romance and cults and monsters. It's perfect for you. You have to come do this. And I was like, that does sound perfect for me. And um, so when when I had already, like, signed everything and we were starting to get down to the work, the major plot beats of Path of Deceit were in place like the three main points and then we knew what we were trying to set up for Cavan to do in Path of Vengeance and we knew about what was going on in the adult books like so how like the mother was going to be related to what was going on on the warring planets Iram and Arano. Um, so we had a lot of that but when it came to the details like the character stuff um it was really mostly just me and Justina like we knew what the the path was supposed to be but when it came to Marta and Yana we really got to do pretty much whatever we wanted with their characters and when it came to Kevmo and Zala we got to do pretty much whatever we wanted so um it was the best of both worlds for me because I don't care about plot (laughs) (laughs) I just love character and conflict and emotional resonance and all that kind of stuff and so they basically were like here's your plot have fun with the character and conflict and emotional resonance so it was an excellent way it was a lot less pressure than phase three to be honest yeah yeah i mean i guess your journey into star wars came you've been writing for some time but your journey into star wars has been sort of relatively recent um i think maybe in the past two years you've had well, a couple of short stories co-written path of deceit mm-hmm. junior novel come out uh... yes i have written more books in the last three years than i had written in the previous six years yeah <laughs> so um, you know you say that the phase one crowd had it tough you know for a couple of years um but you know what's that what's that experience been like it's a lot to be to be churning out it is um you know i i have mixed feelings about it um, mm-hmm. to be honest mostly like i'd say like 75 percent good 25 percent oh my gosh i don't know if i ever want this to happen to me again <laughs> um, so is, is it like because... uh, like daniel craig when someone asks him when he's going to do the next bond movie and he's like no <laughs> you know <laughs> the last one nearly killed me. I haven't I haven't actually hit that point mm-hmm. yet, though I know a lot of my fellow authors have hit that point. Yeah, sure. But everybody keeps saying yes, even though they say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, it is ultimately 
so dynamic. And even the, the really, this, the interconnected storytelling is what makes it, I think, hard for most of us because, you know, we're writers. We got into this work, not because we like group work. It's because we like to, you know, work by ourselves and be in charge of putting our dreams onto the page and everything. And we still get to do that to a certain extent, but, you know, it really matters what I'm doing in my book for, you know, 11 other mm. writers at least and what they're doing, not just in the sequel to my book and the parallel adult book, but also in the comics. Mm. And I still don't understand how comics work, um, <laughs> like scheduling wise mm -hmm. and like when they all come out and that kind of stuff. And so the, like, you know, the way that I normally solve problems when I'm writing, it doesn't work when there's so much interconnected storytelling because I might come up with a brilliant solution to something and then I'll be like, I'll pitch it. I'll say, how about this? And somebody has already come up with it and they've, you know, they're currently working on it in, you know, a middle grade or in the comic or something like that. And so I have to come up with a different idea that doesn't negate that idea because it still has to work over there. But my idea also has to be really cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, that that is the part that makes right having written for Star Wars, like High Republic novels in two years ish. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's what makes it like there's no pause yeah. like as soon as i finished quest for planet x i was right into uh defy the storm and as soon as i was finished with part of defy the storm i was working on temptation and then back to defy the storm mm -hmm. and then back to temptation and so it's hard for someone like me who you know really ideally i would work on one book a year uh-huh so, yeah, and 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 yeah. you mentioned earlier, you know, you're you maybe a little plot averse, uh, you know. Yes. But the amount of <laughs> macro plotting that that you're talking about there, with mm -hmm. all of those plot points up in the air and so many folk joining the dots, um, I imagine that that's mm -hmm. that's going to be an immense challenge. It is, and I do think that is one of the best things that Project Luminous did was their original team spending all the time that they spent before anybody wrote a word really deciding okay this is going to be our story and this is generally how phase one is going to go generally how phase two is going to go generally how phase three is going to go like just on a really big picture kind of level and so you know they went through all of that stress and fun and arguing and you know push and pull long before i was involved and even before they were writing novels for phase one and that has really helped because you know frequently when we can be like oh my gosh this is the direction we're going in you know somebody um will say okay that's a good direction but here's what we originally talked about Here's how it shifted for phase one. Here's how we shifted during phase two based on 
you know, what was working, what wasn't working in phase one and the things that we wanted to change in phase two. So here's the trajectory of all of these ideas. And here's the new goal that's based on all of that. So like it is, every part of it is really dynamic, but we can always go back to this was the seed idea for Project Luminous. This is it. And um, uh, essentially, it's the, the I, I know this has been released, so I can say it, the, um, <laughs> what, what do Jedi fear? Like, that is, like, really the core of the story. Everything kind of comes from that. Like, what is, what are the Jedi afraid of? And what should they be afraid of? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, obviously, um, you still have more books coming out, as you as you stated. Specifically, you've got your phase three books that are, like, coming out within a couple of months of each other, which is, again, insane. Amazing. Um, Defy the Storm. Yeah, obvious. Um, Defy the Storm, obviously, is coming out first, uh, which, once again, you got the chance to work on with Justina. She's amazing. You guys together are amazing. Um, and that's right around the corner. Neither of us has had the opportunity to read it yet. Curses. We've heard, and you can you can shut us off on any of this, but we've heard that this is a story that pretty much follows almost directly in the wake of Justina's Phase One YA, Out of the Shadows. Can can we confirm or deny? Yeah. <laughs> timeline wise, no. Okay. Like, timeline it takes place a few weeks after Eye of Darkness. Yeah. Um, but it does directly follow some of the like plot and world from Out of the Shadows. I do think that like we worked really hard um to like give a summary mm -hmm. of like the all the technology and the drama and characters from Out of the Shadows that are necessary for Defy the Storm. But if someone wanted to reread a book before this, other than Eye of Darkness, I would say that Out of the Shadows would be the one to read mm -hmm. because of the Gravity's Heart mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, Chansey Yarrow is in that. And of course she's also in the adult books in a pretty important mm -hmm. way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the graphs and Sentecas, like that kind of stuff that are in out of the shadows are also in defy the storm so yeah well th that's music to my ears because out of the shadows i think is probably my favorite book of phase one actually um it's also my favorite book of phase one <laughs> really i mean I, I, i'm not just because justine is your mate obviously um, no definitely not yeah. she wrote other books in phase one <laughs> <laughs> that's true she did and they're all good um but no, and I hate picking favorites, but it, it's the one book from phase one that I couldn't put it down. And I've been dying to follow up on some of those plot threads ever since. And we haven't heard a peep for two years, <laughs> you know, um, a, a, a bit like, you know, in light of the Jedi, there's this tease about Eivor and Elzor having a little mm -hmm. kiss at this, you know, behind <laughs> the scenes at the ceremony. And I'm like, I want to follow up on that. And, you know, Again, two years later, we're just mm -hmm. starting to see that really getting followed up on. Yeah, well, I definitely, um, when we first started talking about Defy the Storm and what needed to happen versus what Justina and I wanted to write about, I did 
very gently say, I was like, Justina, <laughs> Justina, can I, can I have Xylan? Can I have him? <laughs> Please let me have Xylan Graf. And she was like, you know, I didn't realize when I was writing him that I was writing him for you. I thought I was writing Jordana for you, but it turns out it was Xylan. Um, so uh, he's my favorite. I love everything about him. And there is plenty of both uh, him and then Silvestri and Jordana from Out of the Shadows in this. In addition to um, Vernestra and Avon, who are probably my other favorite characters. Avon Staros is probably my favorite character from phase one. Um, and, you know, I read the middle grades first. I don't remember why, maybe because I got them first. Um, and so that really, that probably went toward me just hooking on to Avon immediately. But she has really been through it, as I'm sure you can imagine, in the intervening mm, year yeah. between phase one and phase three, yeah. given her mother's choices, I guess we can say. Um, yeah. So Avon uh, has really uh, had to um, make some choices of her own. And that's mm -hmm. really what Defy the Storm is about in a lot of ways. Avon and Vernestra reacting to their previous choices and then having to choose how they want to um, be involved <laughs> in the galaxy going forward. Amazing. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, what was this experience then like? I mean, you've written a lot with Justina, including outside of Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I actually, a, a complete aside, I just started reading Chaos and Flame today. Um, it's been sitting on my shelves for about a year. And I kind of thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk to Tessa tonight. I should probably just at least yeah. peek at the prologue. And now I'm hooked. And now I'm going to have to finish reading it before I pick up a skip to Valo or escape from Valo. Oh, great. Um, yeah, the so sequel's it, it, about it, to come out too. So yeah, that's that's coming in like May, right? Yep. Yeah. So like another one of your books that's coming out in the next couple months. Yeah, it's a lot. That's insane. So that was an aside. So you've written a lot with Justina, but how was this experience on Defy the Storm? Or was it any different to your first Star Wars book together with, with Justina with uh, Path of Deceit? It was different um, fundamentally because um, I was barely making up any characters. Like in Path of Deceit, um, we created most of the characters, at least like their characterization. Like we, if, if we were given like, this is who needs to be in this book, um, but we really started a lot of that characterization where for this one, all of the main characters have been in previous books. And so that makes it a different challenge. Um, most of them are like characters that Justina originated. So um, that it was, you know, pretty easy. I could just text her and be like, am I doing this right? Is this the right, you know, make sure this dialogue is working. Is this really what Vernester would say? Are you sure? <laughs> um, but, uh, Mostly, uh, other than that, I do think it's a more, um, there was a lot more going on in Defy the Storm than there was in Path of Deceit. 
And also in Quest for Planet X, um, like Path of Deceit, you know, really only had three main points of view. And Justina and I separated Marta and Yana. Um, and then we shared like the Kevmo points of view. And so it was really straightforward um, in a lot of ways. And we were in charge of different plot threads. And this one is really much more of a, let's get the team together and, um, you know, come together and then pull apart and come back together in the way that a lot of Star Wars movies are. Mm -hmm. um, and so that made the actual plotting a lot more complicated. And, um, you know, we ended up adding a whole subplot relatively late for a lot of reasons that I definitely can't talk about. <laughs> but you know that so it was more challenging on that on that level and also i will just admit i am not not great at thinking about space battles or droids so <laughs> i constantly forget droids exist and um, <laughs> i constantly forget that we have to fight in space so I'm just like, and they fly from here to here. And Justina's like, this is the occlusion zone, Gratton. They can't just fly from here to here. We need action, action, action. And then when they get here, more action. And uh, uh, so that wasn't a problem in Path of Deceit where, you know, it's much mm -hmm. more pastoral and they're almost never in space. And so I was really learning some of my star wars weaknesses when we were writing path or excuse me defy the storm yeah we do want to talk a little bit more about path of deceit if you don't mind um mm -hmm. <laughs> sure absolutely because i think that the star wars book community in general has has agreed that that book is like an absolute masterpiece um mm -hmm. <laughs> could you tell when you were writing it how special it was and what kind of impact it was going to have. Like, did you get that feeling like this is, this is something big? So. I know you probably feel that about every book, right? Mostly no, a little bit, I hope so. But so that was my first Star Wars. And um, I was really feeling the pressure um, I remember I was actually at Justina's house when I was writing the very first couple of chapters that I wrote for Path of Deceit. And Justina was in a, she wasn't, work, she was at her house, obviously, but she was in a writer's room and on like doing Zoom calls and things. So she wasn't there for me to like really like cry on and stress on. Um, and I was writing just like, you know, writing the first opening lines of Kevmo Zinc. And like, I wrote two paragraphs and I start, I felt like all the blood draining from my face. And I was like, oh my God, I'm writing a Jedi. I'm writing a Jedi that people are going to read a real Jedi. And I love him. And oh my God. Oh my God, he's so great. I love him so much. People are going to be so mad. We were. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I am going to throw up. And so I had to stop working on it for a while, like switch to Marta or whatever. I was much more comfortable with Marta. 
Um, and that kept happening while I was working on Path of Deceit, where I would be writing a scene where I was like, this, this scene where Marta and Kevmo are talking about the four, they're arguing about the force. Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is so good. I love this. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how, how wrong the Jedi are, but how right the Jedi are and like all these things and really trying to put them in those conversations. And then I, I would finish a chapter and be like, this is great. If this was a me book, I would be a hundred percent sure like just a Tessa Grattan book. I would be totally sure that my readers were going to love it. But then I'd be like, but will Star Wars readers like this book? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I allowed to essentially say the Jedi are really, really wrong about a lot of things? Like, I think so. I've seen the prequel trilogy. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I can suggest that they're not the greatest at everything but this is the high republic they're they're in their glory days anyway so it was really emotionally stressful so even when i felt like i really nailed something in path of deceit i didn't have the like emotional or professional even capacity to know if it was going to be successful if readers were going to like it i knew that the ending was gonna hit and so justine and i were like as long as we can get people to read to the ending we'll be fine yeah. so yeah well, I, I think morgan your problem wasn't so much reading to the ending as sort of finishing the ending because you'd thrown the book across the room in disgust i did <laughs> yeah that's that's absolutely true we we went through like our top five star wars book moments recently on the podcast and i was like that was one i threw the book across the room screaming no because I, I was so deeply invested so you guys did a great job i mean thank you i'm really glad i'm also really i'm still pretty upset about it um because Ke- kevno was my first jedi and will always be my first jedi um, and I made him exactly the way I would want to be as a Jedi, where he just loves it. You yeah. know, he is like a little, a little paladin, basically. <laughs> and he's like, I believe it. And this is going to be what I do for the rest of my life. Truth. And well, light and life, I guess. <laughs> not, <laughs> not truth, justice. Uh, but, you know, all of that. And um, yeah, oof. Justina and I at New York Comic Con, not this past year, but the year before, right when Path of Deceit came out, we were signing the book. And, you know, it had only been out for a couple of days. And a reader came up to us and was like, I love this so much. This is the greatest. I'm I'm about two thirds of the way through, and I just never loved a Jedi more than I loved Kev Mosey. (laughs) And I just I identify with him so much and I love him and thank you so much for writing him. I love this book. And Justina and I were like, ah, okay, thanks. Good luck. Bye. I'm sorry. Uh, right. We couldn't say that. Yeah. 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 Like I can talk about it now, but. You mentioned there, Tessa, that you, you sort of you felt a bit more comfortable at times writing for Marda. Um, I'm 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 fascinated by Marda, uh, as many many people are. I mean, I've I've said it on this podcast many times before. You know, 
within months of this book coming out, people were cosplaying Marta at Star Wars Celebration. You know, people read that mm -hmm. book and immediately put it down and thought, I know what I'm doing for cosplay in April. It's going to be Marta <laughs> Rowe. It was phenomenal to see. She's really a complicated person. Um, and it's really through her eyes that we sort of, we get into this kind of very cultish worldview, you know? Um, I'm intrigued by that because speaking from personal experience, I had a very fundamentalist religious upbringing. So a lot of what I was reading in Path of Deceit uh, around Marda and the sort of the, the cognitive dissonance and the double think and the mental mm -hmm. leaps that you sort of, the, the, yeah. the knots that people tie themselves in. Um, where did that come from, from you guys in terms of writing that? Are you either of you channeling personal experience of that stuff or is it just you're really damn good at getting into the mindset of... <laughs> i think that it's a little bit of both um neither justina nor i have a particularly like fundamentalist um background but you know we both have experience with the military and um uh, I, I mean, I was I was raised Catholic, but in a really benevolent way. So like a really like upper level cult, not, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> um, so we both have experience with different kinds of indoctrination mm -hmm. um, and, and and that kind of, uh, I guess, like structural education in a lot of ways. And we both have studied um like systemic oppression and that kind of things we both have uh like degrees and really complicated things like that um and then on a different level we both have written books that touch on things like that mm -hmm. um in our our personal work um i've done a lot of writing about um characters who are having this kind of like i guess spiritual or anti-spiritual awakening like mm -hmm. realizing the lies their culture or society has been telling them and justina has certainly written about that kind of thing um if you haven't read dread nation it's great um uh it's justina's best book so far <laughs> um except for one that you know, hasn't come out yet. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so we were both pulling on a lot of different things, um, but then also just that really specific Star Wars kind of um, mentality of, okay, well, cause you know, the Jedi are a, a cult. Mm -hmm. um, I think that became, that was pretty clear by the end of Path of Deceit yeah. that that was our opinion. Um, they're also a cult um with very specific very rigid rules and allowances for what you can and can't do and believe and feel um and so i think we really were trying to set the path up as a foil for the jedi directly mm. and so that led to most of the decisions that we made and that the the group itself made about how the path needed to work and what the path was and like why the mother ended up being the way she was, um, you know, as the cult leader who is like the non-believer, basically. Yeah. I love Any chance you can tell us whether or not some of those thematics feed into Temptation of the Force? 
and uh, a, a certain Jedi couple uh, <laughs> may maybe but butting up against some of those rigid rules. I mean, yes, but also one thing, particularly, you know, I like to I like to joke about Elzar being messy, but Elzar is actually very fluid. And so I don't think that Elzar butts up against things very much. Mm. He moves around them or finds a way to make them work for him. You know, that's, he's all, he's a bit of tinkerer. And, you know, after, like at a certain point in phase one, um, he had to like let go of that because he had to start really focusing on the fight and leadership and all these things. But, you know, he, uh got to where he was by tinkering and by you know figuring things out and so um i think that it's more fair to characterize temptation very carefully (laughs) um (laughs) as a book in which avar and elzar are figuring out who they can be together within their relationship to the Jedi and the galaxy and the Republic and light and the light side and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, it's not, you know, I've, I've since the cover reveal and the copy reveal, I've gotten a lot of uh, Google alerts with like people being like, oh, this is gonna explain, you know, why the Jedi got so rigid about attachments mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, oh, I, I mean, it's like several centuries. So um, don't put that much pressure on the book to explain <laughs> the Jedi, please. <laughs> um, You're not telling us that Darth Vader is Elzar right. and not Ivar's fault, basically. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a, maybe a conversation in a, in a way that Passage of Seat had a lot of conversations. Um, I did I did call Justina at one point when I was in the middle of temptation. And I was just like, I need you to help me because the last five chapters have just been different people having conversations about things. So you need to tell me where I need the space fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm really excited and nervous about temptation honestly about readers getting it in a way i'm not i'm not nervous about defy the storm because (laughs) um it's very much a star wars book um in a way that i think the package says it's gonna be um you know it's a big adventure with a lot of different characters getting together to you know do the right thing and help people basically (laughs) and figure out how what kind of heroes they want to be and whether or not they can be heroes um and then temptation is is just very different so fingers crossed yeah we're very (laughs) excited for that one as well yeah uh i do want to skip back a little bit if you don't mind so both of your short stories that you've done um for star wars both a closed fist has no claws which is in the tales of light and life as well as masters which is in that stories of jedi and sith um 
I just want to say I really like how you write villains. Do you think that's a special, <laughs> uh, a special talent of yours? And I, I just think that those stories in particular, the way they're written, feel very different um, and very introspective in a way that we don't frequently get in Star Wars. So do you think that, is that something that you're bringing to some of your other stories as well, maybe? I do think so. I love writing um, villains um or antagonists yeah. really um i so one of my books one of my adult fantasies is called the queens of Innis Lear, and it's a fantasy retelling of king lear and when i was writing that book i wanted to write it where everyone was the villain everyone was an antagonist in some way um and you know you still have people who end up acting heroically and doing things but they're in everyone is in conflict with everyone else in that book and it was so much fun <laughs> i loved writing that book and i have um written a lot of like morally gray characters mm -hmm. so to speak and um villains and played with how to get the kind of like complicated villainy that we see in adult SFF into YA spaces specifically. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you do that with teenagers? Where does it come from? Like, how does a teenager um, angle toward villainy, especially if it's not just because that's the way they were taught? Like, Marta is such an interesting character because she does veer toward villainy, but not because she sticks with her cult. You know, it's because of all of the things that happened mm -hmm. to her and the choices she makes and, um, you know, her relationship with different people. So um, I do really like that. Um, when it comes to masters, it's a it's a really it's a really weird story because I was approached to write that um, right when I was signing on to work for the High Republic. And at that time. Um, the pitch for the, the anthology was going to include High Republic characters. And so I thought I was coming in to write like a teenage Marky and Rose story. And I was like, mm. this is what I want to do. I'm here for this. Um, and they, uh, they eventually shifted the whole angle of the anthology. And so um, I had to come up with other pitches. <laughs> basically. Um, and I think that that uh, Palpatine Yoda story was like my fourth pitch, including the row ones. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was kind of like, can I do this then? I feel so <laughs> robbed. <laughs> I feel so robbed right now. I want Maybe. that Marky and Rose story. <laughs> Maybe someday. If you just um, write it and send it to me, like it can be a secret between the two of us. That's fine. Sure, I won't show anyone. Sure, sure. <laughs> right um, but uh, so I had really never, truly never thought in depth about Emperor Palpatine. Like, never. Like, he was the bad guy and returned the Jedi and he was scary and I didn't like him when I was a kid and I never learned to like him and he was awful in the prequel trilogy and all these things and I was just like he's just a bad guy he's a really smart bad guy but he's just a bad guy 
And so I was really trying to be like, okay, well, this is my first chance to write a Star Wars. So uh, who do I want to write about? Like Yoda. That's who I want to write about. Maybe they'll let me write about Yoda. Um, and I don't even really remember. I think I was rewatching all of the movies because I had just signed on to do The High Republic. And so I hadn't watched all of them in a while. And I was watching Revenge of the Sith. And I was, I was watching that scene where Yoda and Palpatine fight in the Senate Universe, yeah. chambers. And I was like, he doesn't know. Palpatine doesn't know that Yoda's dead. And anyway, um, it was a long, long, weird, maybe of all of the Star Wars things I've written, even though it's like the shortest and the first, it was the most complicated to actually get into that story and to find that story and what the actual point of the story was to me. And then um, to force myself to think about Emperor Palpatine and like go on all of those like rabbit holes about him and all of the things that he's done in like comics, which I have never read. Um, and so like, I had to like get all of this background on him um, and like learn, learn about things that I thought I never would have to learn about. Like for example, how many chlorians work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's a real outlier story, but yeah. I'm glad that you like it and that it fits in with my villain oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm fascinated by the process sometimes, you know, when you, when you've got a, a question like that, or, or when you, when you identify a need as a writer, okay, I need to get my head around all the Palpatine stuff, you know, could, are you just, are you going on Wikipedia yourself and figuring it out? Uh -huh. Or like, like can, can you not, did you not have sort of a, the, the story group on Speedbat dial? Like I need a dossier on Palpatine stat, you know? Um, you know, I would ask for that now. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was first coming into this, I barely even understood what story group does. Mm -hmm. Um, so it didn't occur to me that there might be that kind of thing. Mm. Um, whereas like Wikipedia is a good place to start, you know? Yeah. And then I can ask questions directly to the editor or the people I'm working with. Um, but now I definitely would ask for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like um, we, uh, and, you know, and a lot of things for the High Republic are very collaborative. Like we have, a collaborative um, dossier on the Stormwall, for example, <laughs> uh -huh. um, and how that works. And, um, you know, it, it's combined with like the story group provided like hyperspace details and like, this is how hyperspace works in Star Wars and that kind of thing. So there, those, those types of things do exist, um, but, yeah, it just didn't occur to me to ask for it. Yeah, then. so so you're you're getting a bit more oufe with with the uh, with the Star Wars process, um, and and maybe maybe keeping that uh, story group on speed dial from now on. But <laughs> which of your which of your non Star Wars books would you recommend to your Star Wars readers? Because I, I guess coming on board something like Star Wars, you you have this platform, and you can say hello. Uh, I write other books, <laughs> and hope hopefully, I, I guess from a writer's perspective, 
some of us will come with you. Um, where would be a good place to start? I think that um, the best place to start if what you really like about my books is the way I do characters and the, the villainy and the morally gray stuff would be for adult fantasy, The Queens of Inneslier, which I've mentioned. And then for YA, my book Nightshine, which is all about demons and identity and characters uh, making bad choices for good reasons and good choices for bad reasons. And um, I really wanted to write a young adult book that was queer on every level, um, not just with like queer relationships and queer gender identity, but like the magic system itself is uh, non-binary. And um, I also really wanted a sexy sorceress because there are so many sexy wizards and like really sexy love interest magic users in fantasy that I've loved, um, you know, ever since I made the questionable choice of thinking Raceland was the sexiest character from uh, Dragonlance. And uh, I wanted to do that with a, a woman presenting character and have her in a queer relationship. And uh, so that would be the, the YA for those reasons. I think if you like Path of Deceit in particular, Queens of Inneslier or Nightshine would be the place to start. Mm -hmm. If you just like adventure, then Chaos and Flame is probably the way to go because it's very much like a fantasy uh, Star Wars with dragons and things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, I, I, I'm just into the. I've just passed the prologue now today, and I'm already hooked. And excellent. I, I, actually, when, when we finish recording, I'm going to make make myself a cuppa and sit down and read some more of it. Um, but and the, the sequel to Chaos and Flame is coming out in May. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Blood and Fury. Blood and Fury, and that's that's mm -hmm. the next non-Star Wars thing you've got coming. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, Johnny, I think that this has been an absolutely wonderful discussion that we've been having with, with Tessa, right? It has. Tess, can, can you just stay for a few more hours and I'll, I'll put the kettle on and we'll just keep on, <laughs> we'll just keep on talking. <laughs> well, I, I know the answer to that is no, because you've got about five books to write, probably. Um, I do. Yeah, I do. Also, yeah. my cat has arrived and she'll be impatient. Yeah, priorities. We understand cats are mm -hmm. very important. Um, yeah, she woke up. Now, Tessa, if people would like to uh, connect with you online via social media, your website, anything like that, where would you direct them to go? Um, I am pretty active on Instagram at Tessa.Gratton. I do check my Twitter sometimes, but I'm not really on there very much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so Instagram is the best place. My website is TessaGratton.com, and it has my email on there. And um, I do respond to emails eventually. <laughs> and I also have a newsletter that you can sign up for on my website if you'd like to do that. Nice. Um, I'm going to be changing that in the next like 10 days because of the newsletter I've been using is closing. So um, don't sign up until March 1st. <laughs> Perfect. 
And I will say, if anybody who's listening is not following Tessa on Instagram, you should, because their posts are absolutely fire sometimes. Like, I've been enjoying, like, your Alaska trip information, all that kind of stuff, and, like, all the times that you got to do really cool stuff with the uh, various other Luminous authors. Like, the the Stellan Geos trip, when you guys got the lightsaber, that was cool. Yeah. That was really incredible. It was weird because we were at Disneyland before it opened and it was still dark and they just like ushered us into Galaxy's Edge through the back. And um, then we went into the Doc Onder's shop and nobody was in there. Because I had been to the Disney World version, but it was a crush of people. And like I couldn't look at everything because there were so many people in there. So that that day it was just me and Charles and Daniel and you know some a great model and some photographers and we had such a great time just like playing <laughs> and being like just nerding out about all of that fun Star Wars stuff. And I will tell you, if you have not had a chance to hold the Stellan Geo lightsaber, it is really heavy. It is. I have it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right well johnny how about you where, where can everybody find you uh tess is just right instagram is the best place no. you can find me on instagram uh, and occasionally on threads as at journals of the wills that's journals with an s wills with an h and i like i said also instagram not a force user uh, and of course you can reach out to the whole podcast team on all the usual social media channels and there you're looking for at swbc podcast i think that's going to do it for another episode morgan um, all that remains is to thank once again our, our wonderful guest, Tessa Gratton. Thank you so much, Tessa. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been delightful. Good stuff. Uh, so without further ado, it's uh, a goodbye from Tessa Gratton. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from Morgan. Bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, folks. May the Force be with you. And we'll catch you next time on the Star Wars Book Community podcast.